0: welcome everyone my name is russell farbiars and welcome to a another edition of not minding my own business i am so pleased to be to be here with my guest today uh jonathan jd del calo the uh prothonotary of berks county pennsylvania welcome jd
1: good morning russell thank you for having me oh
0: thank you for being here uh jd uh before we before we get started uh do you want to tell our listeners a little about a little bit about you sure
1: i uh i i'm a lifelong berks Countyan. Uh, i've lived in uh Burn Township for the last few years uh, previous to that I lived in the city for most of, most of my life, but I grew up in Mount Penn and I graduated from Antietam in uh, 1991 and then I went off to uh, college uh, in Washington DC graduated with a degree in uh, political science and, and public administration. Uh, I've worked in public service my whole working career. I started in the mayor's office of the city of Reading uh, in 1996. Uh, I came to the county in 1999 uh, in the recorder of deeds office. And then I uh, moved to the prothonotary's office in 2006. And I've been here ever since. All right. I was the chief deputy prothonotary from 2006 to 2016 for 10 years. And then the, uh, my, my predecessor retired. Uh, I became acting prothonotary. And then I was elected by the citizens of Berks County in November of 2017 to a four-year term. Uh, and I was happily reelected this past November in 2021 unopposed by the citizens for another four-year term. So uh, I'm very grateful to the citizens of Berks County for giving me the opportunity. and. Uh, I think we're doing a great job here, and uh, that's pretty much my life in a microcosm.
0: Well, thank you, J.D., and congratulations again on your, your re-election. You. So for for any of our listeners who might not be familiar with the term, what exactly is the prothonotary?
1: The prothonotary is a fancy name for really the clerk of the civil and family court, Uh In Berks County and in the structure of government in Pennsylvania, uh, there are several clerks of courts. Uh, There is the clerk of courts who just handles criminal matters, criminal matters only. There is the clerk of the orphans court who is also happens to be our register of wills from the way the the, uh, counties were set up And the clerk of the Orphan's Court, of course, handles Orphan's Court matters and and things like that. And then there's the prothonotary, who is the clerk of the civil and really family court. Uh, It's a fancy name. It's an old English name. It's composed of really two words, protho, notary. It has its origins in Greek and and, uh, Latin. Uh, really, protho is I think Latin for first, and notary is notary. Uh, it, it's a, It goes back, I think, to the uh, the Ottoman Empire had prothonotaries. Uh, they were official clerks or notaries that worked for the court, and uh, you know, uh, 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 certified official documents for the empire, and and th- did things like that, <coughs> and the. Uh, the term was just carried on uh, as the county was founded in 1752, and, and throughout Pennsylvania, I don't think any other states in the Union have prothonotaries. In other states, they're called lots of things: clerk of the circuit court, clerk of courts. Uh, uh, you know, they, they're called a lot of things, different titles with the same type of general job, but. The prothonotary really is the clerk of the civil and family court. And we can definitely get into what that actually means uh, as we go through this talk.
0: Well, why don't we go there? Why don't we talk about what, what, what.
1: So, as I said, the prothonotary does not do anything criminal. We don't file anything that's criminal. We kind of skirt the criminal line. Because we do file and and keep protection from abuse orders and that kind of borders on criminality, but it a protection order in Pennsylvania is considered a a civil order so that gets filed here. Uh, But everything else we do is not criminal we file liens we file judgments we file. uh, You know any type of case you can think of civil actions tort claims. Uh, slip and falls, uh, credit card. Uh, we are a, a, a level of the appellate courts. So if you, uh, we have minor, there's three levels of courts in Pennsylvania, the minor courts, which are their magisterial district judges, the court of common pleas, which is our level. And then the appellate courts, the superior and commonwealth and then ultimately the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania. Well, we're an appellate arm of the lower courts. You know, if somebody gets a judgment, on, on the lower court level, once to appeal it, it would come into our court and it could eventually go all the way up to the Supreme Court, which is kind of rare, but it does happen from time to time. Uh, but that's the civil side, you know, liens, judgments, we do federal tax liens, we do a lot of state income tax liens, state unemployment compensation liens, uh, lots of liens and judgments. We file all liens and judgments except mortgage liens. Mortgage liens are filed in the recorder of deeds office. Uh, But then we have a whole nother side, the family side, which is divorces, custodies. uh, You know, those are the two primary ones. We kind of classify protection from abuse under family. Um, And uh, that's a huge, huge arm of the office, family cases, you know, uh, with our recent times with COVID and and things being crazy, you know, a lot of people are getting divorced. There's a lot of custody actions. Uh, it's it's very very busy. So we have the whole family side in addition to the whole civil side. Uh, so it's very very involved. And then we have a whole division for for basically the and I, and I kind of focus on this a, a lot because I have an excellent staff that is able to do the regular nitty-gritty with the family and the civil, the historical side, you know, our naturalization documents, a lot of our historical records that we keep, uh, those are all here as well. And and that's a pretty big part of the job as well. So it's it's a very big job. As I tell people when they ask me about the office, it's not a sexy office. Like, the sheriff or the district attorney or maybe a county commissioner, but it's a very, very necessary office. If, if this office is not running and running efficiently, the courts pr- pretty much cannot function properly. You know, uh, so it's a very necessary office. It's not necessarily a sexy office or a high profile office like the district attorney or like the sheriff, uh, but it is a very, very necessary office.
0: You're, you're sort of responsible for all the details and the record keeping and the management that keeps the system running uh, would be my understanding understanding of it. Uh, that's right.
1: Yeah, we keep all the records for the court. So, um, you know, any, any order that's been issued, any file that's been filed, uh, it's a lot of, it used to be a lot of paper. Uh, we are no longer a paper office. We are a, pretty much a paperless office. Our files are done by e-filing, which was implemented about, uh, we're coming up on almost 10 years of e-filing.
0: It's amazing. Uh, to. It, it
1: really is. It, it, it really it, is. And I think cut- back to how we, uh, all the sessions of planning and, 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 and putting that thing together, it, it, it was, they, they were painful. But now they're really, these days, they're really paying dividends. No doubt about it.
0: Can, can you imagine having something like COVID and not having e-filing?
1: It, it, it's awful. And we, we got a taste of it as well because uh, Philadelphia County and I think uh, Luzerne County, they had catastrophic uh, 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 failures in, in their systems. I think they were hacked and, uh, uh, a couple of years ago, because I remember going to our, our, our annual conference and their e-filing systems were just totally shut down and they had to go back to the old way where people had to bring in paper and you had to scan it and it was a mess. Um, so, I mean, we owe a lot to our IT department because they keep the system very secure.
0: Right. Now, how many cases on average would you, would you say you process in a year?
1: Between liens and civil cases, we do about 20,000 cases a year. Uh, and that's all inclusive. That's put miscellaneous petitions if, you know, and, and, and regular civil actions and fam, family actions and liens and, and uh, uh, judgments, about 20,000, give or take. Starting to go up a little bit for like the last four or five years, it was trending down. Uh, usually the way we chart it is if the economy is pretty good, our filings are pretty lower, or lower. If the if the economy is starting to go bad, or there's a, a thing like the pandemic or something like that, uh, things start to go up, and we're starting to see the the cases inch up. and, and if there's a financial uh, bubble burst or anything like that that's on the horizon, which I hope there isn't, but if that happens, like in two thousand eight, w- in two thousand eight, when the when the economy just just went in, into the crapper. I mean, our, our filings are just out the door. Unbelievable. Uh, it, it, we couldn't believe it. Uh, and we're prepared in case something like that. But back in 2008, we didn't have e-filing. Now we have e-filing. And if something like that would come again, I think we could handle it. But it will it will be interesting to see.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I could definitely see how, how you would sort of trend uh, with the, the Economic Times but it's it's also that's an ama- that's an amazing amount of paper and i guess i say paper in in quotation marks at this point that has to be be processed in in a timely fashion and i'll say your office does do that you know it that's our and,
1: goal that's yeah.
0: our goal we turn I mean, them
1: around we turn them around fast which yeah. it's a lot easier with the e-filing because you know in the past you'd have to go down to the mailroom and get the mail and bring it up and open it find out where it's going and 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 uh, un- take, take staples out and make a file and take right. used to have those uh, boxes with the numbers on and you'd have to peel them off the box and peel them onto the folders and and then put the year and then you entered it all by hand and I mean it was just it was a long process and now that you know, we, they get a notification in a queue and a filing pops up and they're able to bring it up right away, look at it on the screen, make sure everything looks good and hit accept with one click of their mouse. And it's, it's on the docket. The image is there. Notifications are sent to the parties. If it needs to go to a judge, it's already in the judge's queue. I mean, it, it's amazing how, and then the That'd file's created. So there's, there is no paper file. Of course, the, electric, yeah. the electronic file is created in the in the structure of our case management system. It's amazing. And it really saves a lot of time and, and it, and it enabled us to really make the office a lot more efficient. And we were able to through attrition, mainly reduce staff and reduce costs to the County and to the taxpayers, which is, which is what we, what we like to do.
0: That's, that's just amazing to to see, to see how many steps you've, you sort of cut out. Uh, Now, you mentioned that, that that another part part of the job uh, is these historical records. So, what tell 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 us tell me a little bit about the historical records that your office has?
1: Okay. Sure. So, the county is it, actually the county's coming up uh, March eleventh, ten days from now. The county will be uh, two hundred and seventy years old. Uh, 1750, March 11th 1752 Berks County was founded from uh, parts of Philadelphia and Lancaster counties. They carved out the diamond shaped county that today we know and love as Berks. Uh, Well, there, I'm the 56th prothonotary in the history of Berks County, going back to 1752. 1752, there was a gentleman. uh, And back then, you know, we were a brand new county, you know, counties were created by the state legislature so that they they created Burks and all the officers of the county at that time, there was a sheriff. There was a uh, like a prosecutor wasn't called the district attorney yet. But then there was a gentleman named James Reed, R.E.A.D. And he was appointed as like the first everything. He was like the first prothonotary, the first register of wills, the first recorder of deeds, the first clerk of courts back then they called it the clerk of the quarter sessions. He was everything. He was one man who did everything. Um, and there was a lot of paper that was written, you know, writs and uh, 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 dockets of, of cases. And and I, I like to remind people, you know, 1752, we were still a, a colony of Great Britain. So it's, it's, it's really interesting to pull these documents up and see you know, ver- right at the top of every single document it was always, well, back in 1752, uh, George II was the king of Great Britain. So I think he died in 1781 uh, uh, or 71, I'm not sure, 61, I think. And then is when George III, came in. it's 81, George III, he was, he was already on the throne. So these documents would say, George II, by the grace of God, king of Great Britain, and then the regular business of the document would, would proceed. And it, it's hard to believe, you know, we weren't the United States of America. We weren't even the United States, you know, because it was before 1776. Uh, so there's a lot of those historical records that exist today, and they're in bad shape. They're really in bad shape. And one of the things I wanted to do when I, when I got in is uh, there's an account, there's a fee that we charge. We're mainly a fee-based office. I mean, We do, uh, taxpayers do pretty much compensate myself and the staff, but most of the rest of our expenses are covered by the filing fees that we charge for our filings. There is a filing fee called an automation fee. Uh, the legislature in their infinite wisdom, very good infinite wisdom, about 25 years ago, implemented a $5 fee called an automation fee. And the the way the law was written was that it was a special $5 on every filing that would go into a special fund for the prothonotary to use to automate his or her office. Well, my predecessor really didn't use it that much. And we had these old records, you know, just basically rotting away. I mean, 250 year old paper when you open it up and it's not in a climate controlled environment it it basically paper slowly decomposes if it's out in the air and it it was basically turning into a black brown moldy pile of pulp and I said we we've got to preserve these Uh, so I started to use the automation fund to have these old records digitized and as we started to go through them all uh, it's it just amazing, you know. The writing, you know, there were no, you know, pens back then. You know, uh, quills, dipping, dipping them into the inkwell, writing them. Uh, Probably, you know, no electricity back then, so they had to do it all through, you know, natural light or candlelight if they were working late. And uh, you know, then they they would affix official seals with wax, you know, really official royal type things, you know, because. Those traditions came over from Great Britain. Uh, and it was just a treasure trove of historical documents. Uh, and uh, as, as we started imaging them, uh, it made me feel great because number one, they're imaged. So we have a record of them forever. And number two is we, some of the really bad ones, we were able to use some archival tape to repair them or at least hold them together so that they wouldn't decompose any further. Uh, so that's good, too. Now now that they've been imaged, they really don't need to be pulled out again. They can be just packed securely away um, and, uh, you know, just left to the ages since we have the images and they're, and they're very well done as well. Um, one story, if I could tell, is, sure. is our Ben Franklin bond. So... Mm-hmm. I was down and uh, we have a little, and you know this because you know the courthouse very well. There's a little sub basement below the prothonotary's office that we call the dungeon. And there's old books stored down there. We're slowly cleaning it out. There's a lot of old file, empty file folders and, and just miscellaneous type things that have, really have no historical value. But um, when, I, when I assumed office, I went down there and we were starting to dig through some stuff. And I found this uh, bond. And somebody had put it in a page protector, and I looked at it, and at the bottom it said, printed by D. Hall, Franklin, B. Franklin, and D. Hall, Philadelphia. And I'm thinking to myself, well, there's only one B. Franklin I knew from Philadelphia around that time, because it was, I think, 1760 Ben, Ben Franklin. So I researched it, and here it turns out that uh, Ben Franklin and a gentleman named, I think David or Daniel Hall, had like a printing press, and they made bonds or paper at their little, you know, Ben Franklin, he was like the quintessential renaissance man. He did everything. Um, well, they had a little printing press, and they made, printed, printed these, these papers, and I guess distributed them to, to, to counties or, or whoever needed them. So i thought that was really really neat i mean to think he, maybe he didn't touch it or hold it himself but most likely he did you know pulling it off the press and getting it ready to be shipped out or something like that so we we were able to get that preserved because it was in terrible shape it was it was in a moldy drawer and we we, we got it to a conservation center down in philadelphia and they they, they fixed it up they put it in like an acid bath i, I said you're going to put this into an acid bath don't worry, it's, a, it's an archivally safe procedure. I said, oh, all right, if you, and, you know, and I knew that these, I had checked this company out and I knew that they were legit because a lot of the museums and, and things like that use them. But when they told me we were gonna dip this into an acid path <laughs> or some type of a thing, I was like, uh, I don't know about that, but it came out great. We have it here in the office. We bring it out every so often. Uh, uh, it's really cool. Uh, it was it was it was a bond that was issued by a gentleman named John Wommelsdorf, who I was able to determine was like the the man that Wommelsdorf Borough in this to this day in Western Berks County was was founded after. So really 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 cool stuff. A lot of history. Conrad Weiser. Everybody knows Conrad Weiser in Berks County. Uh, he was the first president judge of berk's county and there are some of these historical records that are written in his hand signed with him uh they're amazing they're really yeah. really historically uh, significant for you know history people and uh, people that find that interesting which i do you know history yeah. the history of the county and the courthouse and all that stuff
0: that that is just that is amazing i mean and and i'm I told you before we went on the air. I'm am a history person, so you know all this stuff. You know we could talk for for hours about this.
1: Oh, it's great! It's yeah. really really cool.
0: Now I know one of the things that that I've noticed that you've done since you you, you took office is there are these wonderful um, pictures outside of your office of the old courthouses uh, in Berks County. Can you tell tell us a little a little bit about the history of the of the courthouses that you that oh, you've yeah. discovered?
1: Yeah. So, uh, as a little preview of uh, you know when I came in and I, I was you know would walk around the halls you know going to meetings and we don't have a men's room on on this I'm on the the prothonotaries on the second floor of the courthouse and anybody who knows the courthouse knows that there is not a restroom on each floor of the building like there is in the services center, which is the newer building attached to the courthouse. If you need to use the restroom in the courthouse, you either have to go to the fourth floor, the seventh floor or down into the basement where the jail lockup is. Uh, There's also little sub ones uh, that are kind of hidden away. But so, you know, going back and forth to the restroom and things like that, I, I, I just got tired of looking at plain walls. And I say, you know, wouldn't it be nice to get some historical pictures, you know, uh, uh, maybe of the of the building of the courthouse or of Berks County's history or something like that. So uh, uh, my office manager and I went to the Berks History Center uh, and we picked out some images uh, from when this courthouse was built. Now, this courthouse was built in 1931-32. This December, this courthouse (laughs) will celebrate its 90th birthday. Uh, and it's as solid today as it was when it was built. I mean it is a very solid building.
0: It's in better shape than the services center
1: absolutely absolutely <laughs> no doubt about it I mean and to think it was built in about maybe fourteen months amazing I mean they the uh, the the work the way the workers worked back then uh, but this is really the Fourth courthouse that Berks County is at, the one that we're that is here at Sixth and Court right now is really the fourth courthouse. When the county was founded in 1752, there was a little log cabin structure, I think, right along uh, Rose, r- right at Rose and Washington streets in Reading, uh, which was a little small building, and that served as the courthouse for about ten years. And then in 1762, they constructed what a lot of people know as the the original courthouse but it was really the second courthouse and that was that sat right at the very center of 5th and Penn Streets the the, the entrance of it faced down south faced south on 5th and if you see uh, if you go to the Berks History Center Museum which I always put a plug in because I'm on the board of trustees and I and I uh, and I love that place there's a little diorama on the second floor of the Berks History Center of Downtown Reading, and I think the 1770s. Uh, it's magnificent. I mean, it shows exactly what the city looked like in 1770. Right there in the middle at Fifth and Penn is the courthouse. Uh, it was a magnificent two two-story structure. Not many rooms. I think one courtroom, one room for James Reed, who was the original everything. And he and James Reed served really from like 1752 almost to 1780, and then that's when there was Officers that started to assume the different positions as the county grew and as the government, you know, uh, expanded its role and, and, and just took on its on its form, uh, and that building stood from 1752 to 1840 at the one at Fifth and Penn, right in the center. I mean, if you drive over Fifth and Penn today, there are some still some remnants remains of the foundation of the uh, second courthouse. Uh, underneath the ground uh, i have that on pretty good authority so if they ever do any if i ever see them doing any construction work down there at fifth and Penn, and they have that center part open i'm going down there and i'm going to say can you know if you can you see if there's a foundation there because i need one of those bricks or something for my for my office
0: so so was it in the middle of where the road is now
1: yeah right at the intersection wow uh, and if you've seen old pictures of Reading which we have a couple hanging here on the floor. You, you, there was like a, like a circle, a traffic circle uh, that mm-hmm. Fifth and Penn made, and it sat right in the very center.
0: Hmm.
1: Um, and in old depictions of it, there are some artists, artistic renderings of it. There are some p- posts that sit outside of it and alongside of it. <clears throat> now, some people have said, yes, they could they could have been for horses, uh I have been told and I've researched that those posts were really whipping posts that were used like if somebody was sentenced, uh, you committed a theft, so your sentence is uh, 30 lashes. Well, they would take the, the now convicted felon, no longer a defendant, out, tie him to the post and give them 30 lashes. Um, that happened back then in the mm-hmm. 17 you know hundreds. Uh, there was also a jail, uh, Berks County Jail, which was at Fifth uh, in Washington, I think on the present site of either the Abraham Lincoln Hotel or the Berkshire Hotel, which is right, which was right across the street. Today, it's the uh, center Hispano Right. But the old Berkshire Hotel is right across the street. That was like the original where, you know, where Berks County Jail was back in the 1770s. Um, but 1840, I mean, the county was growing the little courthouse at 5th and Penn was just too small, and they constructed the third courthouse on the footprint of the, cur- of the present one at 6th and Penn Streets. Uh, magnificent, again, like a two-story structure. Uh, it had the Goddess of Liberty at the very top, you know, uh, it, it, a pretty cool building. Um, and they actually added on to that. There's some really nice pictures of that here in the courthouse, if you come and and visit us, take a look, Uh, they added on to the second courthouse through the through the decades, until around night, the early 1920s, they were just, they were just out of space. And the decision was made that we're going to build, you know, we're going to demolish, you know, there was all different types of locations the most grand location where they were gonna build was over in West Reading. Like if you came over the Penn Street Bridge today and right as you would go past the on and off ramps for 422, right there as Penn Street would start to go up when you're in West Reading, right at that site, they were planning a magnificent big courthouse with, with uh, you know, big, uh, uh, the, all, the, all the highlights. Well, that fell through, and uh, they said, "Well, well we're just going to build it. We're just going to build it on the. We're going to we're going to move temporarily, which they did to a building at Fourth and Court Streets, I think, where WEEU is today, but I'm not sure. They moved the entire courthouse out, 1931. They demolished the courthouse in, in about a month, in May of 1931. They demolished the courthouse. And then they began to construct the building that we're in now in about June of 1931. And it was completed in December of 1932. Amazing. And it's, you know, 18 stories. Uh, I think I think to this day, still the tallest courthouse in Pennsylvania, but I'm not positive on that. And there was plenty of room in 1932 for, for all the you know, business of the county eventually you know we grew more and we needed to construct the services center which is now attached but the courthouse it's a special building and we have some images in the second floor of the construction of the courthouse the skeleton the steel skeleton with two workers Uh, there's a there's a when I saw the original picture I just saw the steel skeleton I'm like oh that's a great picture we got to get that and then we got it blown up and we put up and then When it was put on the wall, I said, oh, my goodness, look. And there's two gentlemen, no harnesses, no restraints or anything. They're just standing (laughs) on the scaffolding, attaching something or painting something. Amazing. Uh, So, yeah, we have a lot of historical images uh, of of downtown Reading. Uh, One of my qualifications was any downtown Reading image. I wanted to make sure a picture of the courthouse was in the image. So all the images of downtown Reading have the courthouse in it. And uh, you know it's a tremendously beautiful building. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's so much about it—the limestone that was made, to, uh, you know, the the Italian uh, architecture. It's an Art Deco building for for architecture nuts. I'm I'm still not a, uh, up on different types of architecture like that, but it's a magnificent building, and uh, you know, it, it's really a gem in downtown Reading. I mean. I love it. I'm glad my office is here. As if I'd be over in the services center, I wouldn't be as, you know, historically excited when I come to work every morning. But
0: and yeah, has, and this has, year,
1: this December, it'll be 90 years old, going strong.
0: What? Wow. Now, has the prothonotary always been in the site, the, the space that you're in, or was it ever anywhere else in the building?
1: Yeah. No. It was. It's always been on the second floor. 1930. Uh, when the when the uh, when the courthouse opened, we were here, but uh, it, we were in a little part of what is now the very very back filing part of the office. That was the probateary's office. In 1932, the sheriff and the recorder of deeds were also on the second floor. Mm-hmm. So uh, the the uh, as the as the county grew and and uh, you know regulations and stuff came down from the state and the county had to get bigger the county government had to get bigger. The sheriff office eventually moved up to the third floor and the recorder of deeds eventually went down to the first floor of the courthouse, I think before they built the services center. And then now it's over in the services center, but now we're the entire second floor of the courthouse, mm-hmm. but it was, it's always been on the second floor.
0: Hmm. Well, they very interesting. I, I really appreciate you giving us, you know, the, the primer here on, on the history. it's, it's Really, really interesting. Oh,
1: yeah, I'm glad to do it. I love yeah. sharing the Berks County history because it's very fascinating.
0: So one one final one final question: what what got you into you know wanting to be the prothonotary or working in the prothonotary's office?
1: Well, uh, like I said, I was always uh, I I was always into public service, and uh, when I started my career. Uh, you know, public, I, I wanted to, you know, be a public servant, I can't, I wasn't smart enough to be a doctor, I wasn't smart enough to be an attorney. <laughs> uh, even though you and I might say there are some not smart attorneys, but
0: I was thinking it but I wasn't going to say. It.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Most of them are very well educated and very well, uh, very astute in, in the law. Uh, and, 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 as I say to my staff I always. I said our Berks County bar members and our lawyers are our number one clients. I love our Philadelphia and our Delaware and our Chester and our Lehigh attorneys. I, 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 I but I am not the Lehigh or the Philadelphia or the Chester prothonotary. I'm the Berks County prothonotary. So I tell the staff, Berks County attorneys take take precedence, and that's yeah. that's what I hope is happening. Um, but. I was always involved in public service. It it goes back. I have a scrapbook in here. It goes back really to when I was 10 years old. And I wrote a letter to President Reagan, Ronald Reagan, 1983. Uh, I didn't think I'd get anything back. I think it was a school project. You know, write a letter to the president, tell him to have a nice day, and you hope he's doing well and whatever. Well, you know, a couple months later, I get a letter back from the White House. I open it, and it's a letter from President Reagan. To me and I'm like wow the president sent me a letter 10 years old and that just that just started it for me uh I just I got involved in like I got interested in like you know presidential history and uh United States history especially uh and to this day I'm still a big fan of like the history of the early republic the revolution uh it helps when in doing genealogy which is another thing I love to do I found out that I'm a, a descended from a, a from a, like a minute man and from somebody who was came out at the Lexington and and and, and conquered call to arms, you know, at the beginning of the revolution of direct ancestor. You know, I'm a proud member of the sons of American Revolution. Um, and I just was involved. I was like, you know, I, I really like the history of the United States, especially the early history and, and uh, it just started from there. Um, I I, I I loved history in, in high school. And uh, uh, in 1989, when President Reagan was coming out of office, uh, uh, there was a bus trip that was going to President uh, George H.W. Bush's inauguration in Washington in January of 1989. And I was, you know, in high school and think, starting to think about maybe college or whatever. My dad says, you know, would you like to go to that? I said, yeah, I'd love to go to that. And I'd never been really to Washington. And and so we went on this bus trip, you know, got to see the inauguration. The only time in my life that I was able to see President Reagan in person, he was a little tiny speck, but I, at least I saw him and saw the helicopter Marine One and the whole pomp and circumstance with the band and the cannons and all that. And I, I was hooked and, uh, Back then, they don't, they don't, I don't think they do it anymore because after 9-11, a lot of things changed. But back then, uh, whatever state you were from, the senators, the United States senators from that state would have a reception in their office for the constituents of their state after the inauguration was over. So we got word to go to uh, uh, the senators back then were John Hines and uh, Arlen Specter. Well, we went. We we kind of flipped a coin, and we said, "Well, let's go to Heinz, John Hines." Uh, senator John Hines was from uh, uh, Pittsburgh. You know, uh, an heir of the Heinz fortune. A very good senator. Uh, very well liked. A very good looking man as well. I mean, he. I, I I and some others believe he might have gone on to become president. Unfortunately, he was tragically killed in a plane crash uh, a few years after that, 1991, I believe. And we went to his office and you know, it's a Senate, senator's office and he, he greeted each person as, we, as they came in. So my dad and I got to meet him. We got our picture taken with him. And on the way home, my dad said, do uh, you think this is something you'd wanna you know, get into, you know, like public service or you know, government service? And I said, yeah, I think it is. Uh, and that started me in college. And then uh, I almost stayed in Washington after college because you know a congress and the president and the, the federal government and all that and then i said and then i i took a class on intergovernmental relations with a man named uh, bernard ross he, he's a late professor from where i went american university and um, i fell in love with local government and he would always tell me uh dr ross would tell me he's like you know local government is the government that is closest to the people. And it's the one that has the most effect on the people's lives. You know, foreign policy and all these debates that go on in Washington. Yeah, they kind of have a, 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 but the president doesn't pick up your trash. And the Congress doesn't make sure that you have clean roads, you know, when it snows. And uh, the Supreme Court doesn't make sure that you know, your water's running right and that there's no, you know, that your electricity and all that is, your services are being delivered. And I said, you know, that is pretty cool. So after I graduated, I made the decision to come back to Reading and Berks County. And that started me in public service. And I've been here ever since. I think it's a very noble profession. I think it's a thankless profession for the most part. Uh, people that use the office like yourself and other attorneys, they recognize, you know, what we do, and we get a lot of kudos from them. And we really appreciate it. But the average citizenry, it's like we get, you know, we get crapped on a lot. Uh, and that we're used to it. Uh, the reason is because, you know, this office is like an umpire. And I always tell people, we're like an umpire, we're, we're an official, we cannot take either sides. So we have a lot of pro se litigants. And you're familiar with pro se, self represented litigants, and they come in and they're all fired up, you know, I'm going to represent myself and uh, I don't need an attorney. When in fact, most of them can't afford an attorney, they just either don't like them or they don't want to use them because they're cheap. Uh, and I, we always tell them, please, 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 please use an attorney because you're going to save yourself a lot of money in the long run. please. Oh, no, 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 I can do this myself. And then, and then they expect you to do everything for it. I mean, we're like, well, we're not going to do that. Well, what do you mean? I, you, we elected you and we pay your salary and the whole. And I said, listen, I cannot, I cannot take one side over the other. I said, if I would sit down with you and give you everything you need. Yeah, that's what I want. I said, all right, well, how about I do that? And then after you leave, I'm going to call the opposing party and I'm going to say, I, got, I gave a half an hour to the, uh, uh, to the other side. I'll give you a half an hour, whatever you need, I'll help you with. And they look at me and they say, well, you can't do that. And I said, well, why not? I just spent a half an hour with you. Why can't I spend a half an hour with them and help them out? And then they, then it starts to click in. Oh, okay. Yeah. You really, I said, you know, we're really just a filing office. I said, I can't help you. I can't assist you. We can maybe lead you or, or give you some hints, but we can't do it for you. And, uh, you know, we get, we get a lot of people that, swear and cuss and they're not happy and you know we're we're used to it we're used to it but
0: it's uh, unfortunate it's unfortunate but people don't realize that you can't give legal advice and they don't understand that telling them what to file is legal advice right or how to do it right so but we
1: we know the answers and we really would love to help them because
0: sometimes people
1: are, are very emotional and and especially when it comes to the family cases and stuff i mean it it's hard it's hard for us to say you know we're not excited and happy to say no we can't help it it pains us a lot of times now every so often you get a real pain in the neck person and you're like can't help you and it feels good but for the most part it's hard you know because some of these people really you know uh, you know they they want us to help them and we just really can't and uh uh, because we could be liable and, and it could really you know there's an ethical canon and standard that we abide by and we can't we can't uh, you know uh, go away from that it's it's just not right so
0: no absolutely I still love
1: it though and I love coming in and uh, helping out as many people you know we get a lot of requests from veterans for copies of their divorce decrees copies of a custody order and and when you're able to do that for somebody and make their day you know it's it's great
0: it's a great feeling of course. Well, JD, this has been great. Thank you so much. Uh, oh, my pleasure. For, Anytime. For being, Glad to do it. Being a guest here today. Um, and this has been another episode of Not Minding My Own Business. And uh, I will see you. We will see you next time.